Welcome to the Life Unhindered Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Schroeder. This episode is going to be a little bit of a behind the scenes. It's going to be a long series that will intersperse throughout the podcast where we talk about the process. We talk about the journey. Uh, We talk about all the things that no one actually wants to talk about in public. And that is, we always see the LeBron James or the Steve Jobs, Elon Musk. We always see these folks at the end of the journey. And of course, they're still in the journey, but we've already, the reason we see them is because they have attained some kind of status, some kind of popularity, fame, success. And then we try to get in the game. We want to get into that same game that they're in, but then we psych ourselves out because we can't do what LeBron does, or we can't do what, you know, insert name of successful online business creator because we're looking at where they are now and we don't see where they were 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. We don't see the climb. We don't see the mistakes along the way because as someone gets more and more popular, more and more successful, the story tends to be more and more curated. You start to kind of cover up certain blemishes, uh, smooth out a few wrinkles along the way. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that for you. I think that's a disservice for you. I don't want to do that for me as someone who's in the journey right next to you. So I'm going to be recording some of these along the way. And maybe you see them pop up in the feed and like totally not interested in any of these. I get it. Delete them. No big deal. But for some folks, you kind of want to see like, hey, man, this is a consistent theme in everybody that's trying to make a change in their life. Everyone faces resistance. Everyone faces a challenge uh, to getting from where they are at point A to where they want to be at point B. And so I want to talk a little bit about the early stages of Life Unhindered. And the early stages are happening literally this week. Right, so the beginning of the story starts about seven days ago. Seven days ago, I am in Austin, Texas. I am at a work event. I'm in my hotel room and I'm just thinking about some things related to the future of work. Number one is kind of on a macro trend. And also, number two, my personal desire to work remotely, which I've been able to achieve. Uh, in some some degrees of success over the years, much more now than ever before. And so I come up with this idea. It's a hypothesis. It's a something to be tested. And that's I'm in the early stages of testing that now. But the hypothesis is, okay, one step beyond back from this. Because my wife and I have been on a journey quite deliberately for a number of years, um, but also very specifically in the last six months or so towards financial independence. And we'll do a whole series, I'm sure, on that because that's a, that's an awesome topic. But as a result of wanting to reach financial independence and reaching that decade sooner than most folks reach it, going to reach retirement age in mid-60s, at least in the USA, we 
know specifically what the number is in order for us to reach financial independence. And I'm not talking about exiting, you know, some internet startup at 10, 20, 50 million dollars. I'm not talking about winning the lottery. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking normal people working normal jobs, but being super smart and being able to reach financial independence. So we know exactly what our number is. And so that number has informs a lot of the things that we do, how we save, how we invest, any kind of side income we try to generate, etc. Okay, so as I'm thinking about this macro trends of work and my personal desire to work remotely, the macro trends is just, I think it's an inevitable trend that's not going to be reversed in the long term, that the future of work is being the majority of certain positions, not all, will be able to be distributed. Folks will be able to work from anywhere on the in the world as long as you have a strong internet connection. I think that's beneficial for the employee, which we'll get into tons of conversations about that. But for sure, the employer, you never want to be restricted. If you really want the best talent on the planet, you don't want to be restricted by geography. There's no need. There's no reason you would ever be restricted by geography. Okay. So the seed was planted. A hypothesis was developed. Well, what if we did something simple? like a job board that was very specific. It wasn't trying to aggregate the world's jobs. It wasn't just trying to bring up remote jobs. It was trying to be very niche in that we wanted folks that wanted to work remotely for all the reasons we get into another podcast. But also it it met a certain income criteria and that income criteria, at least the initial hypothesis, was $75,000. So in other words, you couldn't post a job on our site unless the position could be, it didn't have to be, but it could be 100% remote and at least you you were offering a minimum of $75,000 for the job posted. A lot of reasons for that income requirement, etc., And so when I began to think about this, my first reaction as a software product manager is, man, that is like so boring. You know, (laughs) job boards are dead. Like, who is that? But then I began to kind of dig into a little bit of the metrics about the size of the market, the interest in both remote work as well as working remotely for tier one tech companies that would pay uh, at least that amount of $75,000, many times much more. And that was informed by this financial independence number, the very specific target that we have in our head uh, and in our plan that if we were making that much money in an automated income way, either via investments or via alternate uh, income streams, then we could live, uh, we could be financially independent. And then I began to do a little bit of research on how much money a particular employer pays Uh, to post jobs on a lot of sites that are somewhat similar to the one I was thinking about. And those jobs uh, were costing or cost employers between one and $300 per 30 days. So then I began to do the math. If we wanted to hit the FI number, FI, financial independence, we wouldn't have to get 500 or 1,000 or 10,000 customers per month. We would have to get around 10 or 15 or 25 or 30, depending on the price point that you 
that you go with. And so then the wheels begin to turn even more. Okay, let's explore this idea. Let's find some ways to test this hypothesis. Um, and we'll get into as kind of this sub-segment of podcast uh, on the journey. We'll, we'll get into some more ways that we uh, have and, and will be testing. But basically, we we worked backwards. Okay, first we put ourselves in the position of the buyer persona. Now, the buyer persona is going to be the recruiter at the company actually paying us money. Okay, so we think, okay, if I'm a recruiter and say I'm a recruiter at a tech company and I need to fill a job in the next 60 to 90 days, you're going to have a budget. You're going to have a budget and you have to place You have to invest that capital very wisely so that you get a return on your investment, your recruiting budget. You need to be ROI positive. And so as an example, you might have $1,000 or $500. Every company could be different to actually go out and kind of cast your net for qualified applicants for the job that you need to place. Okay. I'm sure there's a lot more details that the recruiting process goes through, but let's just call it, uh, use that as our high-level initial understanding. So then we enforce that buyer persona. We know the, that buyer persona, that that recruiter has to, that is their task at hand. We also know psychologically that the recruiter is is nervous in some ways about always having a defense to the investments that they make. Right. It might not be a prominent track in the in the music that is in their head, but it's elevator music. If I invest capital in this site or towards this recruiting initiative, I need to be able if this is if I'm ever questioned, if I'm ever challenged, I need to be able to defend my position in a certain way. OK, so that is kind of an underlying hypothesis about this buyer persona they're at the very end of the funnel, if you will. They are the one that will actually, the transaction will either happen or it will not happen. Okay, so then we began to work backwards. And the first step we worked backwards from there was saying, okay, how can we help this recruiter come up with a defensible position? That's sort of on the on the negative side or on the defense side. So we want them to be able to have a defensible position. What does that look like? Well, that would look like certain key metrics related to our site. They're asking themselves, why would I spend money to post a job there? How can I defend this? So we want to be able to let them basically author that defense or that business case for them to let them know how many people are coming to the site, what's kind of the overall breakdown and demographic, the skill set, the what kind of jobs folks are looking for in the site. These are data-driven empirical ways that we can show that recruiter that the site is worth it. That's kind of on the offensive side. We want to be able to show that our our site is differentiated from all these other sites because it's 100% remote. It's only for tier one companies. You have to have a certain minimum salary. But on the defensive side, we want to be able to show them, even supply them with essentially the business case for making that investment. Okay, so then we work one more step backwards. If they, if we want to be able to supply these metrics and supply this business case for them to post on our site, well, we need to be able to have these metrics. Okay, 
how would we get these metrics? Well, at a high level, what what are the data points I'm talking about? That is essentially folks of a specific genre or specific segment coming to the site consistently. So for our case, that would be tech folks that want to work in product management, software development, designers, marketers, certain executives. So we want to be able to show that there is a good number and that good, whatever that good number is, is still TBD. You have to kind of work back the conversion metrics from there. But whatever that number is, we need to be able to show that those that number of folks are coming to the site every month. Well, how do we do that? Well, there's a couple of different hypotheses that we're working on there. One of them is, well, we know that there are certain reporters that talk about the future of work and they talk about remote work in particular. Perhaps we can index a list of 50 or 100 of them, mainstream media, bloggers, podcasters, YouTube folks, um, don't actually have to be just in remote work. They could be talking about location independence, quote unquote, digital nomads. I hate that term, but it's popular. Um, we could reach out to them and basically pitch them on our site, pitch them about our site, and all the, the value proposition that we bring to the table. And then hopefully they will pick that up and then drive kind of inbound traffic to us from them. They already have a, an audience. If we can get them to pick us up, write an article either uh, for them, kind of basically a guest post or help them author something, get picked up by mainstream media or these at least folks with larger audiences, then they could send that traffic back our way. Then we could start to build a case for we do have consistent traffic on our site. We can build a case that we could then pitch to these employers. But why would someone from the media or a popular blog or podcast be interested in us, right? So then we have to work one step backwards. What is the value that a particular job seeker or employer would get from coming to our site, right? Just having another set of jobs posted on the site, even if they are, you niche down from work to remote work and from remote work to remote work for tier one tech companies. That's a great start, but you have to have more. You have to have value when someone comes to the site, not just job postings. So that led us on a whole set of initiatives on how can we create the best source, best be the best resource for content for these folks, these job seekers that number one, want to build up a robust set of remote working skills. And number two, want to build up mastery in their particular domain so that they can work for these tier one tech companies, right? There's a lot of motivations for folks that have that desire. And we get into other things. We'd want to put content for folks that want to live, have location independence for other reasons. But those are the core content value adds that we can provide in order for for someone in the media or a blog to pick us up, we'd have to have something that's super valuable for that job seeker to come to the site, come back to the site consistently, and not just looking for a job posting, but actually coming back because we're adding value to their lives. And so that kind of tracing backward from the buyer persona all the way back to what we would call the user persona, which is these job seekers, 
What are they after? What do they desire? What do they need? What is the compelling future that we can create for them? We understand where they are. We have to communicate that we know where the problem is in their life. We have to have content that creates that compelling future and then have the content plus these highly curated, valuable job postings. Those working in connection can be the bridge, can be at least a bridge to get them from where they are now to where they want to be in the future. So that's a little bit of behind the scenes. Uh, there are notes. Maybe we can post some links of different articles we've read and researched and editorial calendars that we've kind of drafted for what the podcast could be, what the site structure could be, what software we might use for all these different things. But this is the early stages. We are about one week into this. And the working title, I mentioned it earlier, by the time this podcast gets published, I do not know if that's going to be the exact title. But the thinking is life unhindered. Because we want to give folks a way to be unhindered by the common shackles that are in their life. And the first one is being shackled to a particular location. Uh, again, for certain certain positions, certain jobs, not all, but for many, and this is the trend of the future, there's no reason that you need to, ha- you, you should be required to live in a city when you want to live in the country or live in suburbia if you want to live in the city. You should be able to live in the mountains or on the beach or whatever the case may be. So the first thing we want folks to be unhindered by is the location that they live in. They might not want to travel to a new destination you know, every two weeks or every month. They might want to go to a place and live there indefinitely. No problem. As long as that place, as long as wherever you are is where you want to be. Once we can unlock that, then we want folks to be unhindered by time and by money. So these are the three currencies of life. We're going to start with location, but then we'll have more content related to being being in control of your time. And as I alluded to or mentioned earlier in this one, this podcast, you want to be in control of your money and creating the financial future that you desire. Retiring at 65 is, if you're, if you're retiring at 65, you're doing it wrong, right? We want to show you ways that you can retire decades early. But let's take the first step with a life unhindered and getting freed from our dependence on a particular geography, a, diff, a particular location. All right, well, I think that's all I have today. Uh, I think you let us know if you like these kind of behind the scenes, kind of what our thinking has been along the way. A little bit of insight in how how the sausage is made, as they say. If these you know podcasts aren't valuable to you, uh, let us know. Uh, I think they'll be valuable for us, at least for documenting the 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 process along the way. But anyways, a little bit into the process of building out life unhindered, week one. <laughs>